The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? <laughs> no, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Well, we as a fantasy community, pat yourself on the back. We did an excellent job drafting wide receivers last year. Because if you look at the top eight wide receivers per game, uh, it's Cup, Jefferson, Chase, Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams, A.J. Brown, and C.D. Lamb. Top eight per game last year in PPR. Uh, The only miss in terms of ADP was Debo Samuel. If you look at the top eight wide receivers that were drafted last year, it was basically those guys except substitute Debo Samuel for A.J. Brown. So it was very top-heavy last year. It was very predictable last year in that sense. And we welcome you to the 2023 wide receiver preview part one. We'll do a bit of an overview here. We'll give you some strategies, some sleepers, breakouts, and busts. Hopefully get into the early round ADP a little bit because we'll have a, a full ADP review on tomorrow's show. I'm Adam Azer with Dave Richard, Jamie Eisenberg, and Heath Cummings. Okay, I did this with you guys for running backs. I'd like to do it again to start the wide receiver show. Uh, who are some of your guys, some guys that you're higher on in the industry, some guys that you find yourself drafting a lot? Jamie Eisenberg, hello, good morning. Who are some of your guys at wide receiver for 2023? Hello, good morning. Um, I would say uh, pick your second-year wide receivers. So um, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Christian Watson, love all those guys. Um, I'm very excited about the setup from Mara St. Brown. He's now my number six wide receiver, so uh, ahead of Devontae Adams, ahead of CeeDee Lamb, um, just outside the first round. Uh, draft a lot of Calvin Ridley, a lot of Jerry Judy, and um, I think those are guys. And then the late-round guys for me, uh, Nico Collins is, is definitely a target. Um, Elijah Moore is definitely a target. Romeo Dobbs is definitely a target. So those are three guys that I tend to gravitate toward with late-round picks. All right, Heath Cummings, same question to you. Who do you find yourself drafting a lot or are higher on than consensus? Definitely in round one, it's Tyreek Hill. He's my wide receiver three and my number three overall pick in full PPR. So I get him anytime I don't draft Chase or Jefferson, it seems like. Um, or if I'm at the end of the draft, which is just terrible this year. In the uh, the mid more mid-rounds, Christian Kirk, Debo Samuel, Jahan Dotson for sure. Um, probably Jordan Addison. And... Um, that's probably good. The late round, definitely, like Nico Collins has been the most common guy I've drafted late. Dave? Nico is a popular name, and I'm he's gathering steam just because he's been 
He was a candidate to be the number one receiver in Houston, but Stroud's look good. He's looked good. It looks like he's the number one, one the number one receiver. Excuse me. Uh, keep your name on the tip of your tongue. He's going to be a top one hundred pick. Uh, a lot of names that have already been blurted are guys that I've been with. I have drafted a lot of DJ Moore in round four. I like that. I've gotten a lot of DeAndre Hopkins in late round four. I'm starting to be more encouraged by what I'm reading out of Tennessee on him. Um, I can co-sign on Calvin Ridley. You guys know I've been talking about Ridley for a long time. Uh, Jerry Judy is up there. Christian Watson. Uh, George Pickens. How could I forget about George Pickens? And then when we get to those mid to late round picks, Zay Flowers in Baltimore, Sky Moore in Kansas City. I don't think Heath or Dave did. Jamie, did you say Gabe Davis? No, Gabe Davis is going to, yeah. I just felt like that was a guy that all of us seem to love the value for. I think we have him consensus at wide receiver 36, Gabe Davis, uh, and everybody, Dave, Jamie, and Heath, they're all right around 36 with him, and that's higher than his ADP basically on every site. On Fantasy Pros, he's wide receiver 45. On some sites, he's pretty close to 36, but I think Gabe Davis is someone that we, as a, as a team here, that we kind of like. All right, so how important is it to draft a wide receiver with one of your first two picks? Do you guys find that very important to leave the first two rounds with a wide receiver? 1,000%. More important in full PPR, more important if I start three wide receivers. But, and... Of course, I'm going to say this. If there's a receiver that you're just kind of eh on, but there's a running back that you're goo-goo about, and you've already taken one running back, don't pass up the running back. Yeah. I, I mean, listen, I, I, I feel like I'm reforming a little bit to what is happening with wide receivers, and I understand the value of elite wide receivers. Jefferson's by 101. Uh, I've got a bunch of wide receivers in my first round, so I'm not opposed to taking receivers in round one. In, in, a, in a basic situation when I'm drafting, sure, I'll take one of those stud wide receivers with my first two picks. That makes sense, especially if it's what Heath just talked about, full PPR. You have to start three wide receivers. It makes sense to do it. Just I guess what I'm saying is don't pass up value at another position and don't force yourself. Don't wedge yourself in to taking a wide receiver with one of your first two picks. And, Jamie, when you said 100%, why such conviction on – wanting to get a wide receiver in one of the first two, in at least one, in one of the first two rounds. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I will say I, I agree with Dave 100%, and, and I think you should always you know, not go in saying I, I'm going to do this, but you said the word want. And yeah. so want is I want to have a wide receiver with one of my first two picks. I'm certainly not going to pass up value if it lands in my lap. You know, If I go in thinking, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm targeting Bijan Robinson at six or seven overall, and – you know, he goes and then it's like, okay, what, what am I doing? And then Travis Kelsey sitting there and I didn't intend it. I'm going to take Travis Kelsey, you know, or, or I'm, I'm planning on, I like Amara St. Brown 13th overall, but Saquon Barkley falls and Stefan Diggs is still there who I like better, you know, so I'm not going to, you know, all of a sudden that's, that's the, the route I'm going. So never stick to uh, something that's, you know, you're, you're have, have a game plan, but don't necessarily feel like you have to stick to it. So, do I want to get a wide receiver with one of my first two picks? 1,000%. Do I feel bad if I don't because great players fell to me? Then I'm going to pivot. When you guys look at the round three wide receivers, there's this group of three of Devontae Smith, T. Higgins, Chris Olave that have third-round ADPs, 
And then after that, I think you have DK Metcalf, who's right there. But I'm using Fantasy Pro's average draft position, by the way. But is there a huge drop-off? I'll start with you, Heath, in your opinion from the round two guys who would finish with, you know, Adams, A.J. Brown, Amonra St. Brown, Garrett Wilson, and then Jalen Waddell, who's right at the 2-3 turn. Then you get into Smith, Higgins, Olave, Metcalf. Those are round three picks. Is there a big difference between Amonra St. Brown, Garrett Wilson, Jalen Waddell, let's say those guys, and then Devontae Smith, T. Higgins, Chris Olave? Yeah, I would put... Waddle in the Higgins range. There's a pretty big difference for me after you get past Garrett Wilson. So that's my wide receiver 10. I'm unrest at St. Brown, AJ Brown, CD Lamb. Those guys are quite a ways ahead, almost a full round ahead of Higgins and Waddle. And then I don't think DK Metcalf deserves to be in that discussion. It's like those receivers, those top 10 guys, this is for me. I'm expecting them to average 16 or more PPR points per game. And then the group you mentioned and what Heath also said, Waddle, uh, this is my group, Waddle, Devante, T. Higgins, Olave. And I would put Judy in this group too. Those are the receivers I'm looking for 15 PPR points per game from. So it's like a full point plus difference from tier one to tier two. And then the tier after that, those are the guys I'm looking for 14 PPR points from. Those are guys like uh, DJ Moore, think you can get there 14 that's what i think you can get to keenan allen calvin ridley hopkins mm-hmm. uh, to me that that's what the tiers are for wide receivers you're talking about a full point per game difference from one to the next to the next i don't know why jalen waddle's not in that in that tier with the other guys i mean if, you know i want to talk about 100 I, I mean i i would say so I, he was obviously crushed by the non-tua games specifically the skylar thompson games but he wasn't as good with Bridgewater as Tyreek Hill. Well, he wasn't as good in general without Tua as Tyreek Hill was. Um, but, you know, is that really a re- – what if Tua plays 16, 17 games? You know, Waddle could be a top-five wide receiver. He's so damn good. He's arguably the most explosive wide receiver in football. I mean, that sounds crazy, but it's you – know, no, numbers bear it out, right? And, and you, yeah. Look, look at his, his profile. Rookie season sets the rookie record for receptions, has over 100 catches. Comes back the next season with a different regime and, and a healthy Tua, and he completely changes his game. You know, his yards per catch and just becomes an explosive guy. So he can do it all, you know, and that's the the fun part of, about it is, you know, and I also think, you know, based on like what Tyreek Hill is saying, I'm sure what Tua, you know, has said, I just know Tyreek's actually put words to it. Uh, I'm sure Waddle as well. They were really learning on the fly last year, and now you're getting it for a full off season again, uh, a healthy Tua Tungavailoa again you know, to at least open the season and a worse group around them. You know, I mean, <laughs> you know, you, you take away at least Gusecki from, from a talent standpoint, young tight ends. Uh, you know, I don't care about Robbie chosen. He's whatever, um, you know, Braxton oh. Berrios, whatever. I, he can make all the plays in, in camp. He wants to, I don't care. Um, I, I, these two guys are going to get so many opportunities and that's the fun of drafting them is you don't have to worry about other guys. You don't have to worry about, you know, they're, they're almost, I don't want to say guaranteed for 150 targets, but you could say they're, they're as close to a guarantee as 150 targets, and that's the best part about drafting these guys. I will I'll, I will amend what I said. Waddle does belong. It should be a top 11, not a top 10. Let me tell you why. He averaged 18.1 PPR points per game last year in 11 games when Tua played at least 90% of the snaps. 
I was at camp yesterday. You're right. Like no one's going to draft Robbie Chosen or Braxton Berrios, but those guys might combine for five or six targets per game. I thought Great. Mike White. That's, that's, that's perfect. Thank you. Keep him no. with five or six targets per game. I love it. If, if I was combined? really that worried about Robbie Chosen or Braxton Berrios, I would have Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill ranked lower. I would also be fired from my job. Uh, <laughs> Mike White had a better day in practice on Wednesday than Tua did. The backup quarterback situation has been addressed. I feel a lot better about drafting Waddle and Tyreek um, based on on just the fact that if they do lose Tua, Mike White's there. He's looked good. And then Waddle also suffered a rib injury in practice. We don't know the severity. If you're drafting this weekend and you've got some dorks in your draft who see that injury tag next to Waddle's name and they pass on him, take advantage. Anytime you can get him in round three in half or full PPR, buy that dip. Okay, wait, go I, ahead. I Heath. do think like the, the difference is between those top 10 and T. Higgins, Devon. Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, the top 10 are all the number one target earners on their team. They're all the the the, the clear number one wide receiver. Jalen Waddle, like I know there was a big time difference when Tua wasn't there, but he had 117 targets last year. And he had a lot of games with Tua where he had five or six targets. I don't yeah. think expecting him, like I think 150 targets is probably not a fair upside even if Tyree kills there. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the rest of those guys, Garrett Wilson, ARSB, AJ Brown, CD Lamb, Devontae Adams, Diggs, Chase, Jefferson Hill, Cup, those guys are pro- all like in projections projected to be close to 150 targets or 190 or 180 in some of those guys' cases. Yeah, fair enough. Obviously, you have to be great in yards per target. And Jalen Waddle was, I think, the best in yards per target last year. He had a lot of big plays. Sometimes that comes down. Sh- yeah, we saw and- that with Chase, right? You know, so that's going to regress. He's yeah. not going to average 11.6 yards per target again. For what it's worth, he had 117 targets in 17 games. He was on pace for only 125 targets in just the Tua games, the 12 games that Tua started and finished. Um, but, you know, maybe that goes up. All right, so a little bit of disagreement there on Jalen Waddle. Either he's a second-round pick or he's a third-round pick. It's not a, a huge, huge difference there. I guess uh, I was trying to basically say, like, if you don't draft a wide receiver in rounds one or two, you still feel like you can cobble together a good receiving core, right? You just... Yeah. Pro- probably want yeah. to be in in round, probably no later than round four, I would think. Um, I think that's the greatest thing about the early pick this year because we talked about it on the running back preview. Like you might be fortunate enough to get McCaffrey and Jonathan Taylor or McCaffrey and Derrick Henry or McCaffrey and Josh Jacobs. And so you don't have a wide receiver. But if that happens, you're going to have one of Higgins, Waddle, Devontae Smith, or Olave still as your number one wide receiver. It's still going to be okay. It's just. You're not going to have one of those top 10 guys. Let's play a quick hypothetical here. You go McCaffrey with the second overall pick. You can't believe it. Josh Jacobs or Jonathan Taylor or Tony Pollard or Derrick Henry made it to you in the second round. We're talking 12-team leagues here. And let's say we're even talking three-receiver 12-team leagues. You go ahead and you take that second running back. you got McCaffrey yep. and Josh Jacobs or Jonathan Taylor or whatever. Now in round three, Jalen Waddle's off the board because his ADP is 24. So let's say you're talking Olave, Devontae Smith, or T. Higgins. Or... Josh Allen or Jalen Hurts. What do you do now? And so you've got two running backs and you can, Mahomes is off the board, but Allen or Hurts is there and you're in that next tier of wide receiver. What do you do there? And we can throw Mark Andrews in the equation. And one thing I want to say before you answer this is every time we do drafts, um, the end of round four seems to be like kind of where the top 24 wide receivers end. 
But if you look at average draft position anywhere other than NFC, basically, on CBS, on Fantasy Pros, on Draft Sharks, the top 24 wide receivers are making it into round five, sometimes deep into round five. You can get 22, 23, 24th a position. Uh, so with that being said, you've got two running backs already. What do you do in round three? Do you settle for the lower tier at wide receiver or do you take that elite quarterback or Mark Andrews? And I'll, I'll start. I'm going quarterback every time. Yeah, I'm going I'm I'm to lean that right way. You're going receiver, Jamie? Dave, Dave, quarterback. Jamie I'm leaning. Receiver. I would lean quarterback over a wide receiver that's got uh, 15 PPR point expectations. I, I would go quarterback, but I don't know ADP wise if it makes sense that those wide receivers and those two quarterbacks would both still be there. That's fair. It's a hypothetical. Um, like there's been a lot of running backs taken in the second round of this draft. If if those wide receivers and those quarterbacks are both still there, you're drafting with Andrews. eleven Daves. <laughs> uh, let's see. Well, Mahomes nineteen. No, I mean like Ramondre Stevenson is in that range. Najee Harris could go there. So it's like if I look at I'm just looking Please at don't dra- take Najee Harris there. I'm looking at draft <laughs> sharks right now, and that scenario is actually very realistic. It's. It's McCaffrey is two. Um, Josh Jacobs is 21. So let's say he fell to 23. Waddle's 24. Devontae Smith is 25. Jalen Hurts is 26. So, um, and Olave and T. Higgins are still on the board, and so is Mark Andrews. And I don't want to get sidetracked too much on that. Let's move forward a little bit here. We've talked a little bit about how to start your draft in terms of wide receiver. Um, Answer this one for me. I want blank of my top blank wide receivers. Three of my top three. Good luck. Um, ideally, I'd like two of my top 22 wide receivers. I would like four of my top 30. Wow. That's aggressive. Yeah, I th- I think that works because there's some guys in my top 30. They're going to fall to round seven yeah. or round eight. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but three of three of 26 sounds good too. So, but yeah. When I looked at our pick-by-pick series, 12 teams, so six people drafting, two teams apiece, the four of us plus Dan and Chris, uh, four, okay, so the first four rounds, it was it was 10 of the 12 teams drafted at least two wide receivers in the first four rounds. And that was basically, that was about 24 wide receivers. I don't have the exact count, but it was, it was about that. Uh, so I got screwed and missed out on a huge run and didn't, was one of the two teams that didn't get two of the top like twenty three, but that Dave, what you said is is what I was thinking. I think everybody probably wants two. Correct me if I'm wrong. Two of a group that would end maybe around DK Metcalf, who we are lower on than everybody else, or you know Drake London. How about Amari maybe. Cooper? Well, he's twentieth, twenty second, and where does Heath have Cooper? Twenty seventh. Twenty seven. All right. I think to sum it up, two two of the top twenty four. Can we start with that? Two top twenty four wide receivers, and then if you I want to be three. Yeah, I, that's the thing. Is it's it's like if you're talking about via ADP, then maybe I'm okay with that because there's five wide receivers in the top twenty four that I'm not drafting anywhere close to where they're going. But via my own rankings, it's I agree with Jamie. It's three of my top twenty four because there's guys I can get in later. 
Okay. It's also, you know, again, what we've said, the, the running back value that's going to be there in, in rounds four, five, and six is still pretty good as well. So, you know, if you're starting three wide receivers in a PPR league and you can get a, a, an edge on that position, it, it's a huge advantage for you. Should be a huge advantage. Okay. Well, I want to tell you about another way you can get a huge advantage in your league, and that is with uh, private phone call, private Zoom calls with any of us, plus Chris and some others, and other ways to donate to St. Jude during our draft-a-thon, which is going to culminate on August 30th with a six-hour show, which we're really excited about, and we'll tell you more and more about as we start planning it. But this whole month is just about raising money for St. Jude, and you can do that at tinyurl.com slash donate. tinyurl.com slash donate. At some point pretty soon, you're also going to be able to do that on our YouTube page, youtube.com slash fantasy football today but we're giving away spots in our mock drafts we're giving away spots guest appearances on the podcast right now it's only 152 dollars for a guest appearance on our podcast and again all of it goes to an amazing cause all of it goes to saint jude podcast awards thank you for getting us to the next round in the best sports podcast category if you get an email from podcast awards asking you to be a voter go ahead and accept that you can vote and vote for us uh, before we go to break here, I do think I'm owed an apology from Heath and Jamie. I had oh, one good. of my best takes yesterday. You guys, as if you were Dan Schneier on a podcast, were crapping all over it, like on the can. Uh, but two-thirds of the people who responded to my poll agreed with me that it's better to not have the total outlier league winner that's only on one team, the Christian McCaffrey, the Ladanian Tomlinson, that it's better to have more parity, more evenly spaced out studs like we had last year. You guys are wrong about this, and you owe me an apology, and I am listening. Um, Adam, I apologize that I will never apologize to you for not apologizing about your stupid take. Thank you, Jamie. That means a lot to me. <laughs> Heath, anything to say? I apologize that I did not retweet your poll so that you could get more accurate results and not just people who choose to follow you. Go ahead, retweet it. You still have time. What the hell did I miss? And then you can say, Adam, you were right. And I'll say thank you, Heath. Adam would like it if, you know, can we just make it even? Like, we'll all put 20 bucks in at the beginning. At the end, we all get 20 bucks back. It was fun. Good job. <laughs> what was the best comment yesterday about the Adam wants to see a gladiator match with the two guys walk out and shake hands? <laughs> yeah. Dave, I don't love it when there's one player that's just so much more valuable than everyone else. Remember, I remember, I don't know, seven, eight years ago, whatever it was, somebody said, oh, yeah, I had two undefeated teams. I was like, oh, yeah, Todd Gurley. I, was like, uh, yeah, I don't like that. Last year, you was sound great. like a guy who's lost a lot of leagues. Well, I mean, there's only one person in the league that's going to have that player. Last year was great. Yeah, we didn't have that's that. That's the point. Yeah, but you can't necessarily predict that player. All right, anyway, let's take a break. That's we'll our come job. Back. That's also yeah, good luck. Point. Did you predict Cooper Cup? Did you? Did you? <laughs> what? Yeah. Did you predict Cooper Cup two years ago? No. No. Did, did we draft Jonathan Taylor two years ago as uh, running back one? No, he was like a borderline I, round one. Two I pick. remember being excited about Jonathan Taylor two years ago. I was also excited about Jonathan Taylor one year ago. Well, listen, I want to thank Jamie and Heath for apologizing for something. That was big of you. We'll take a break, come back with some sleepers, breakouts, and busts. All right, we are back here. And do you guys have any other wide receiver strategies or must, uh, must have tips going into drafts? Or did we cover it all? It's fine if we covered it all. I would simply add that it's, it's deep as usual. And you're going to get to a point where all the receivers kind of look and feel the same where the difference between 
can we quantify it on the fly? Maybe we can. Um, I've got a group of like my 24th receiver is Terry McLaurin. He's never been much higher than 13 PPR points per game. Drake London's behind him. Christian Kirk's behind him. Go all the way down to guys like Jordan Addison, Gabe Davis, John Dotson. Would it surprise you if those guys were around 12 PPR points per game? Probably not. And there's a difference of like 12 spots among my wide receiver positions. And those guys are going over 20 picks later than McLaurin, London, Kirk. I think it's really worth pointing out that compared to running back, wide receiver has not been as top-heavy. And I say that even with having said what I started the show with, that the top seven in points per game were you know among the first eight drafted. But you also, then you had Amandra St. Brown, you had Devontae Smith in there, Last year, or 2021, Cooper Cup was a fourth-round pick, and he was the most valuable player in fantasy. Debo Samuel and Jamar Chase were top five wide receivers, and they were round seven and eight picks. The year before that, Chris Godwin, or maybe that was 2019, whatever it was, Chris Godwin was wide receiver two. Uh, He was a mid-round pick. DK Metcalf, Calvin Ridley were fourth-round picks and finished top five. There's more of that at wide receiver than there is at running back. And in fact, there have been a lot of really, really good picks in rounds seven through nine the last two seasons. I mean, like I said, Debo Samuel, Jamar Chase in 2021. Amon St. Brown, I think, made that cut last year. Uh, Devontae Smith was, I think I might be forgetting someone. Christian Kirk. Um, So I I do think that's important to note that there's more... Shakeup in terms of ADP and finish, less top heavy at wide receiver Except than at, for last at running year. back. Last year in the top six was very top heavy, but top twelve was was a lot of guys that were drafted a lot later. <clears throat> you know, like I said, Devontae Smith and and Amonra St. Brown, Christian Kirk finished top twelve overall, not per game. Jalen Waddle was terrific and he was kind of like a four or five turn pick. So um Oh, Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper was a top 12 guy. He was a later pick. So, yeah, last year was top six was was very, very stud heavy. But after that, it was guy, it was great values, great bargains. And that we see that a lot at wide receiver. So I don't know what that means. I mean, I think that means you need to take some shots in the mid to late rounds at wide receiver. Don't fill up too fast, I guess. I just drafted. I don't, but I think, that's again, the that, thing speaks I, to, that speaks to where these guys are now being drafted. They're getting pushed up. It's why we're seeing this... It's the dead zone conversation that we're having that's different now because these running back values that are falling to these later spots of guys that would typically be ranked in the top 20 that we would be taking in the rounds two, three, and four range are now going in the rounds five, six, and seven range. So it's pushing up all these wide receivers. So I think that's kind of where, you know, if if you're planning out a strategy, it's lean receiver early and buy into those running backs in the middle group with maybe the idea of taking a hero RB approach, take one of those guys and then get receiver heavy, and then go back to the running backs again. Okay. I don't really ag- agree with the idea of don't fill up too early. Like, I th- you you don't have to just draft your starters in order of when you draft your starters. If you can start four wide receivers in a PPR league, you can draft five wide receivers before you draft one running back. Agreed. Okay, what if it's a two-receiver league with a flex? Then you so can draft four wide receivers. Four instead of five. Okay. Do you? But do you worry that you get to a point where you need help at running back, you need help at tight end, you need help, you haven't drafted your quarterback yet, or maybe you haven't drafted one of your quarterback or your tight end, and now you're in round seven or eight, and I just told you that we actually have 
I mean, look, we have a lot of busts in round seven and eight at wide receiver or probably at running back too. It's round seven and eight for a reason, right? Uh, tight end is pretty pretty bad there sometimes too. So I'm not going to say every wide receiver that goes there is good. I am going to say though that we have had some absolute superstars, some studs come out of that range each of the last two seasons. Do you at do you worry about really not being able to draft a wide receiver at that point because you now you have to fill your other positions? I think the worst thing you can do at quarterback or tight end is get to round seven or eight and think, oh, no, I don't have one. I have to take one now. Okay. It goes completely against greater late. All right. Moving on. Um, I guess we'll stick with strategy here. In 10-team leagues, in 12-team, in 14-team leagues, in three-receiver leagues, does anything change dramatically for you guys with the way you approach wide receiver? No, I I hesitate a little bit to say nothing changes in a 14-team league that starts three wide receivers. I think you, you have to prioritize that just a little bit more because the depth kind of goes away a little bit. You, I, you almost have to prioritize going running back receiver with your first two picks. It's a little bit tougher to pass on a positional need and take the value in that type of specific format. Yeah, I'm more balanced in 14 team probably, and in 10 team I'm I'll push those elite QBs and tight ends up a little bit higher because elite players. Mm-hmm. But that's pretty much it. Yeah, if you have a any pick in a 10 team league, you should feel good about if you don't take a wide receiver with either of your first two picks, you're going to get one of Olave, Smith, or Higgins in round three. I mean, they're not all going to go in the top 30. And in fact, if you wanted to double up on them. In rounds three and four, you could easily do that in uh, in a ten team league. Most of you might the time. you might see see them in round four. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, okay. How about non PPR versus half PPR versus full PPR? Anything change dramatically there? Yep. I'm almost certainly taking a running back in round one, especially if I have a top eight pick in non PPR. All those great catches that these stud receivers get, those those mean nothing now. Yeah. Um, half PPR, I'll still take wide receivers. I'm still going to get a, a decent edge there. But in non-PPR, man, running backs get pushed up. And in non-PPR, like Pickens and Gabe Davis and those types of guys right. are more valuable. Right. Correct. Low volume, high yards per catch, high A dot. High, High touchdown, touchdown rate. Touchdown. That's, that's, yeah. really. that's it. I got to ask, Jamie, because you said at the top of the show that you were getting more excited about Amandra St. Brown. He have him sixth, I think you said? Yes. What about a non-PPR? He drops behind A.J. Brown, and I think that's it. Okay. He drops behind Waddle for me. And I just, I just want everyone to know, Justin Jefferson last year would have been RB7 per game in non-PPR which is an unbelievable stat. He wasn't the best wide receiver per game, by the way. That was Cooper Cup. But, I, well, yeah, good. Well, no, we, we have our draft on Tuesday night, you know, for people that still play non-PPR, and, and you are certainly very adamant and angry at Dan and Joe Pisapia of Fantasy Pros because with two of the first four picks, Dan started the draft with Justin Jefferson, and Joe took Jamar Chase at four, which left me with McCaffrey at three, excuse me, at two, and then Bijan Robinson went three ahead of Eckler, who went five. So 
that was a little surprising. But, you know, Dan's counter to that was you you kept saying you're not going to get a good running back, and he ended up with Joe Mixon, you know, depending on how you feel about that. But, you know, he still was able to get a guy that has top 10 upside by going with Justin Jefferson. So I think it's just a matter of personal preference, but I don't think we would advise taking Jefferson. I, I don't want to speak for anybody, but taking Jefferson first overall in non-PPR uh, simply because the the difference without the touch without the catch excuse me is is a little bit glaring at the top of that draft. You mentioned that Justin Jefferson was seventh among running backs in non PPR. I think it's worth saying. Where did Amon Ross St. Brown finish? Oh gosh, I'm gonna guess. You want to take a guess? I got it right 15. here. No, twenty third. <laughs> he was behind. He was behind Alvin Kamara, Damian Pierce. Uh, this is on a per game basis. Uh, Najee Harris. 10.1 non-PPR points per game. Those catches mean a lot, obviously. All right, let's do sleepers, breakouts, and busts at the wide receiver position. My favorite sleeper wide receiver is blank. We will go Heath, Dave, Jamie. Favorite sleeper wide receiver. I'm using Fantasy Pros PPR like you told me to, and so I'm going to say Gabe Davis because hey. he's at player 104. And really, if you look at the four sites that they're using, his highest ranking is pick 100. So... I. Gabe Davis basically did last year, I think, about what we should have expected for him to do. And he did it with a busted up ankle for half the year. And then when his ankle finally got right, his quarterback had a busted up elbow. I expect him to be second on this team in targets. I think he has top 30 potential at wide receiver for sure. And the best thing about him is he's that type of top 30 wide receiver that if he's right, five or six weeks of the season, he might just win for you. Look who's this Gabe Davis guy. I know. That's great. <laughs> I love it. I, I will say my Gabe Davis ranking is much closer to my Gabe Davis ranking of last year. It's his ADP that's fallen 20 spots. It's crazy. 30. It's, it's great. Yeah. All right, Dave. What do you got? Who's your favorite sleeper? He take I was getting ready Davis to say Davis. Sky Moore because I'm basing it off of Fantasy Pro's ADP. But then I looked and I saw Rondale Moore and his ADP is even lower. But I'm not even going to say him. I'm going back to a name that we've already said a couple times. On this very podcast, Nico Collins ADP is currently 177.3. Okay, that's round 15 for the potential number one receiver on the Houston Texans, a candidate to get north of 100 targets in PPR. I don't see how you pass him up in round nine or 10. Okay. I thought you were going to say DJ Moore. Let's complete the the Moore group there. Sky Moore, Rondale Moore. But you go Nico Collins. Maybe Moore will be your breakout. We'll find out. Jamie, who's your favorite sleeper? Uh, I'll say Elijah Moore. Um, oh. I like, I got just continue your, your theme there. Uh, I was waiting to see who's, who's going to get chosen. Um, and not chosen. chosen Anderson. Anderson. Um, I, I'm going to go with Robbie chosen, whatever the hell his name is. Um, I'm going to go with Elijah Moore. I, I think, you know, what we saw from him in his rookie season, hopefully is more, uh, of who he is as a player and, and what his production can be. And, you know, last year was frustrating, you know, with the quarterback scenario in New York, with the role that they were forcing to play. I don't think he's an outside receiver. I think he's a slot guy. And I think going to Cleveland, fresh start, best quarterback he's ever played with uh, in Deshaun Watson because he did not get to play with Aaron Rodgers. So getting that, you know, just better targets, better opportunities, and, you know, just better overall situation. So he's, uh, he's a guy that still has top 30 upside, and you're getting him, you know, in the 50s in some cases, but probably more, most likely based on ADPs that we're looking at in the 40s. 
Okay, let's do breakouts. We'll go Dave, Jamie, Heath. Uh, Dave, who's your favorite breakout? You're looking for a more, you're getting one. Demi Moore. We haven't seen her in film <laughs> since the 90s, and I, I think she's due. No. Uh, Sky Moore is my breakout, that I'll say. He's a shifty receiver who, by all accounts, has become more comfortable in an Andy Reid offense piloted by Patrick Mahomes. That should be enough to go after somebody like that in round eight or round nine. I uh, love the positive reports. I think he'll line up everywhere. I think he'll play a lot. I think he'll see a nice amount of targets. Okay. Uh, how about Jamie, your favorite breakout? Uh, I will go with the low-hanging fruit and take uh, Garrett Wilson. You know, getting the quarterback upgrade with Aaron Rodgers and, you know, building off what we saw with the non-Zach Wilson quarterbacks last year, I think that's something that could carry over for the majority of the season, you know, 17-plus PPR points. Uh, I hope the ankle injury is not anything to worry about. You know, he's been missing time. I love the the what seems to be the touchdown celebration that he's going to do, the handshake between Aaron Rodgers and Garrett Wilson, uh, if you watch Hard Knocks. So I think it's going to be a fun year for him. I think there's going to be a lot of uh, opportunities, and this is going to be the next Devontae Adams that Aaron Rodgers gets to work with. So big season coming for Garrett Wilson in year two. Uh, why Amonra St. Brown over Garrett Wilson? Oh, I think just, you know, him in his third season, I think this is going to be, you know, the unlucky Jared Goff, everybody falling down at the one. We're going to get a touchdown spike for Amara St. Brown on top of the fact that he's going to be a 100-catch guy. So very excited about his opportunity, especially with the six-game head start of not really a, a quality second option there. So I think it's a huge year coming for him. Man, one of the decisions I hate making is Garrett Wilson versus Monroe St. Brown versus A.J. Brown. I just hate it. <laughs> I just feel like I'm going to mess up, you know? I just feel like you're getting a great player. I hope so. I'll tell you, and I'll get his breakout in a second, I think the one that concerns me the most is A.J. Brown. He actually had, you know, last nine games of the season, he had fewer targets than Devontae Smith. And uh, there are some numbers I can throw out, probably more on tomorrow's show, but... Smith had more catches in him, too, for the season. And, and Goddard... Didn't even have Goddard had 69 targets. What if Goddard's over 100 targets? You know, then then I think Wilson and St. Brown have a lot more target upside than A.J. Brown. Well, I think the Eagles probably throw like 75 more passes this year, too, though. Well, they had the fewest running back targets in the NFL. They're definitely not going to have that. This They intend to oh, throw I the think ball. they probably will. I, they intend to throw the ball to DeAndre Swift. They are not going to have the fewest running Well, they're going to lose more games than if they're going to take targets away from A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and Dallas Goddard to throw the ball to DeAndre Swift. I mean, it's they they got him for a reason. He's lined up outside. He's lined up all over the field. You know, there's how are they not going to have the they're going to have more than the fewest targets to running backs? Uh, all right. They'll all still right. be at the bottom half of the league, though. Half. Yeah. But that could be could be a 30 target difference or something like that. All right. What is I, I, that, that's something we should look at, like. Let's just say 800 rushing yards is the floor for Jalen Hurts. Okay. What's the highest a team's ever ranked in running back targets with a quarterback that runs for 800 yards? I don't know. How much is because I would say how much I, I is Kyler? How much is Kyler Murray rushed for? Has he ever gotten 800 quarterbacks that run for 800 yards? Yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm gonna, yeah. Go ahead. I think I have two examples for you, but I would say Carolina. It's got to be 800. We're going to Azer stat this at 800 and we'll leave it at 800. I, I was just trying to think of Jalen Hurts' floor. Like, I think he probably rushes for like 950. All right. Well, look, Cam Newton ran for 754 yards in 16 games in Christian McCaffrey's rookie season. McCaffrey had 113 targets. Yeah. DeAndre Swift's not Christian McCaffrey, but okay, that's fair. I'm, that's not, I'm not giving him 113 targets. How many did, how many targets did Barkley have last year? 
Oh, that's a great question. I think he led the team. So, like 85? Yeah, but what if it's... Uh, well, all right, we're getting a little off track here. He, he had, had 76 70, targets last year. 76. Okay, so Daniel Jones ran for 700 yards. Yeah. That's a lot, though. I mean, that that's a lot. You know, right. 76 targets for a running back on the Eagles would be bad news for those guys. But All right. Let's see. I'm just saying that over the last half of the season... A.J. Brown did not separate himself from Devontae Smith like he did in the first half of the season. Dallas Goddard missed five games during that stretch, and they did not ever throw the ball to their running backs. I wonder if Dallas Goddard being out is the reason that we saw Devontae Smith's targets go up. When he came back, Smith still had the same amount of targets as A.J. Brown. Right. Okay. But I worry about both of those guys. I worry about how that we you know what? We always talk about the math problem with the 49ers. We never talk about it with the Eagles, but I do think that it exists. And there to, is to one be fair, to be fair, obviously he he missed some time last year. Jalen Hurts yet to run for 800 yards in his career, and there's only been five quarterbacks ever to have a 800-yard season. Six, I'm sorry. 800-yard rushing season. Since since 2010. I would even go for it. how many 800 yard uh, quarterbacks have had ha- have produced top five wide receivers. I wonder they just right. simply don't throw that much. But the thing about AJ Brown is he is incredible, <laughs> and he just I think so I'm, I'm going to guess plays. DeAndre Hopkins 2020 with Tannehill at 800. Oh Kyler, Kyler at 800. Kyler, Kyler at 819 yards. Okay, uh, how do you guys rank those three? Sorry for the detour, Heath, waiting for your breakout. How do you rank Wilson, St. Brown, A.J. Brown? PPR, it's Brown, uh, St. Brown, sorry, A.J. Brown, and then Garrett Wilson. Same. Yep. And non, it's A.J., Wilson, and St. Brown. Same. What about Devontae Adams, the guy we haven't even said his name yet? I don't think. He's after those three guys for me. Easily after them in non-PPR. I am very close to moving him behind all three also in full PPR. I think he's still ahead of all of them in all formats. All right. We're looking forward to debating that. Hey, Heath, who's that breakout for you? Um, Any of the rest of the second-year wide receivers, like Christian Watson, Chris Olave, Jahan Dotson, which one? Drake London. Like All those guys. um, I think Olave and Watson are probably the the top of my rankings. Um, Both of those guys – had an incredible year last year in terms of yards per route run. I, I gave this stat on CBS Sports HQ earlier in the week, but there have been five wide receivers as rookies who were better than Olave and Watson on a yards per route run basis. Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown, Tyreek Hill, and Odell Beckham. Wow. I mean, that's amazing. And to have Watson now, in that discussion. I, there's, there's on for Watson's side of that, I think you put a little bit more caution into that because the sample size was so small. Um, but yeah, both both of those guys have the ability to just take a, a massive leap this year. Both of them should be drafted as top 20 wide receivers in that round three, round four range. You guys feel good about a Drake London breakout? I mean, look, his ADP on Fantasy Pros is wide receiver 26, and it's 68th overall. Um, in, you know, In our drafts, he's going in the 40s, so... I, or maybe maybe in the early 50s, sorry. I think I took him uh, 50th overall in our pick-by-pick, pick. Uh, hesitantly, by the way. So that's a tough one. We love the player. We don't love the situation. Drake London, Heath, you're making that breakout case? 
Yeah, especially at that cost. I I think he's around four or five pick, and I think he's going to be a top 24 wide receiver. I expect he and Pitts to dominate targets. I think Ritter will be better than Mariota was, even if he's not good. And London is a stud talent. Jamie and Dave, when's the earliest you would take Drake London? And around five. Not as excited as Heath. In, in round five, depending on what receivers are on the board. But I, I do think that there's also the Taylor Heineke factor of if Ritter does stink, that they make the switch. And that will help, I think, the pass catchers. All right. Blank will be a bust. Uh, let's go Jamie, Heath, Dave. Devontae Adams will be a bust. Okay. Go ahead. Make the case. Poor quarterback play. I think the downgrade from Derek Carr to Jimmy Garoppolo will matter, uh, especially if Garoppolo is not 100%. We know he has a hard time finishing seasons when he goes into them at 100%. So I don't like the quarterback set up there for him. Again, I'll go back to the, the stat I've continued to say that wide receivers, there's only been 16 wide receivers in the last 30 years, 20 years, whatever it is. I can tell you the exact number. But that have there's only been 17 wide receivers the last 20 years that have averaged 15 PPR points or more, and only three, which is what really matters here for Adams, only three have been at the level that he was at last season of over 18 PPR points per game. And so I think he will still be good. I don't think you're going to get a crater of a season for him. Sorry, go ahead. You about to say something? No, I was going to ask you what the qualifier was. There's only been 16 or 18 that with what? Uh, 15 PPR, average 15 PPR points per game per season or more. You want me to get the exact thing for you, so I'm not just babbling. No, I was that only that, that's what I, I missed, I, and I, with a certain level of quarterback play. I didn't look at all the the quarterbacks. Here it is. I'm sorry, it's not ten okay. years. Ten years. Last ten years. Okay. Seventeen wide receivers, thirty or older, have averaged at least fifteen points per game or more. Only three okay. were at the level of what Adams did last year, which was Jordy Nelson in 2016. Brandon Marshall in 2015, that was with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Jordy's with Aaron Rodgers. And Antonio Brown in 2018 was with Ben Roethlisberger. So, you know, again, Adams can certainly get there. And Adam, you and I have had this discussion. You know, does, is he one of these outliers that just has these, you know, continuing fantastic seasons? And he certainly could. You know, I know you mm-hmm. you made the case more, I think, with DeAndre Hopkins. I'm sure it applies to Adams as well, who's just, you know, turning, you know, year 30, age 30. Yeah. Um, so... Again, I'm not completely running away from him. I'm just not taking him in the first round, and I'm taking him behind these other receivers. So it's a lot of you know where where he was being drafted. I think we're starting to see him slide a little bit because mostly the concern about Garoppolo, which is my biggest one. Uh, but I I will probably not draft a lot of Devonte Adams unless he falls to the middle to the end of round two. All right, Heath, who's a bust for you? Um, I'll go with DK Metcalf. I. I just think the addition of JSN, DK's never really been able to become a bona fide number one with Tyler Lockett there. It's always been a 1A, 1B situation. And it, as good as JSN is, and as good as he looked, has looked so far in camp, and as good as he was with both Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave on the same team, this might be a 1A, 1B, 1C situation. So I do think the touchdowns probably bounce back. I do think Metcalf will be better in non and half PPR than he is in full PPR. I don't think he's worth a round three pick in any format. I like him in our drafts because your rankings have him much lower than ADP. So round four, uh, you know, round four, would you be okay with Metcalf in round four or would you rather wait till round five? Obviously, you'd rather wait, but would you be Uh, okay with him in round four? I'm round five. I think everybody else is round four, but I'm round five. I'm, I'm round five as well. I did that one. We did that one draft. I, I think it was uh, late July where I just decided I was going to take 
quarterback and four running backs, maybe tight end. No, it was quarterback, tight end, and, and three running backs. Two running backs, uh, whatever it was. I got DK Metcalf in like round six. It was perfect. No, oh, good luck doing that in in real in uh yeah. Good luck doing that again, uh, Dave. Uh, who's your who? Blank will be a bust. I don't have an exciting answer here because I think ADP is is pretty good for wide receivers outside of DK Metcalf. That's who I was originally going to say. Uh, Odell Beckham has an ADP of 102.5. I'm not touching him. Not at that price. I'm waiting at least two rounds after that to get him. Okay, to recap, Heath's favorite sleeper was Gabe Davis. His favorite breakout, he talked about a lot of the year two wide receivers. And the biggest bust is DK Metcalf with a third round ADP. For Dave, it was Nico Collins and Rondell Moore as sleepers, Sky Moore as a breakout, and Odell Beckham as a bust. For Jamie, it was Elijah Moore as a sleeper, uh, Garrett Wilson as the breakout, the low-hanging fruit breakout, as he coined it, and Devontae Adams as a bust, but still a second-round pick just going behind some of the younger guys. All right, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll get into the early rounds, maybe the first two rounds of average draft position, according to Fantasy Pros. We'll be right back on Fantasy Football Today. All right, let's take a look at ADP. And in round one, we have Justin Jefferson as the first overall pick. This is Fantasy Pros PPR average draft position. Jefferson is first overall. Jamar Chase is third overall. Cooper Cup is sixth. Tyreek Hill is 7th, and Stefan Diggs is 11th overall. So that is uh, five wide receivers, Jefferson, Chase, Cup, Hill, and Diggs in the first round. Jefferson 1st overall, Chase 3rd, Cup 6th, Tyreek Hill 7th, Stefan Diggs 11th. Do you guys feel like those five wide receivers should be first-round picks and are the only wide receivers that should be top 12 first-round picks? Yep. Um, they definitely should be first round picks. I don't have a problem if somebody wants to take any of the the next tier guys. Again, I'm not going to take Devontae Adams, but we see him in round one. But uh, Amara St. Brown, C.D. Lamb, I, I, I could see them going at the end of round one in PPR. Yeah, I've got Lamb at pick 10, and I've got Amon Ross St. Brown at pick 13. So I, I think those guys should be in consideration in full PPR. But I agree with all the other guys who are going there. And these are your top five players um, in some order. Jefferson Jefferson Chase for all three of you. Uh, for Dave, Cup is third. For Jamie, Cup is fourth behind Tyreek Hill. For Heath, Cup is fifth behind Tyreek Hill and Stefan Diggs. And Diggs is fifth for Jamie and Dave. But uh, yeah, I guess we should we should debate that a little bit. We should debate these top five guys. They are going in the order of Jefferson, Chase, Cup, Hill, Diggs. And I got to start with this. I think I know the answer, but got to ask it. Cooper Cup was so much better than Jefferson or Chase in 2021. And if you only look at the Stafford games, the games he played with Stafford, he would have averaged three and a half more PPR fantasy points than Justin Jefferson. As it is, he averaged 1.1 more fantasy points than Jefferson uh, if you include one game without Stafford where he was terrible, Cup was terrible. But if only the Stafford games, three and a half more. He was the best player in fantasy two years in a row when he was healthy and Matthew Stafford was healthy. I think not the highest scoring, but the most valuable. No question. So why is Cooper Cup not number one? In fact, third for uh, for Dave, fourth for Jamie, fifth for Heath, 
Jamie, first word, why you can't put Cup number one? Well, he's already banged up after missing half the season last year. And so, you know, for, uh, again, his age, which is starting to become, you know, a little bit of a concern. Can't say the same thing about Adams and not say the same thing about Cup. He's 30. So do you worry about him finishing a full season? Do you worry about Matthew Stafford finishing a full season? Now you can say the same thing about Tyreek Hill and, and Tua because clearly that's a similar scenario. His quarterback did not finish a full season also, but his quarterback is also not 35 years old with still maybe a potential back injury. So I, I'm, I'm a little concerned about Cup. I'm not going to run away from him in the first round. I'm not going to run away from him as a top 10 pick, but we are nitpicking here with, you know, what I would say is the four best wide receivers. You know, I, I, I would take him over Diggs uh, in terms of Cup. But again, hit that age, now coming off a, a significant injury a year ago, injured again, you know, with a soft tissue problem. Who knows how that could be, you know, recurring during the season. So um, I don't care that he's stretching in, in, in warm-ups during camp. I'm, I'm, I'm still a little concerned until I see him back on the field and practicing in full. Anyone else want to weigh in there? I only have, like I said in February, I think that I am going to be more cautious with players who are currently hurt. And that's the only reason he's behind Stefan Diggs for me. I, if, if you promised me that Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup were going to play 17 games this year, he'd be the number one overall pick. But the age the, and the currently being injured and the quarterback being a quarter, an injury risk is too much. Okay. Okay. Uh, he's Cooper Cup's 30. Yeah. Tyreek Hill's 29. Stefan Diggs is 29. Matthew Stafford is definitely an injury risk. I think Tua Tungavailoa is too. Can't say the same thing about Josh Allen, even though he did hurt his elbow on his throwing arm last year. Uh, we talk a lot about going for the upside in fantasy drafts. And Adam, you really laid out my case perfectly. The way he's been with Matthew Stafford sets him apart from everybody at the wide receiver position. I just feel like it's a little bit safer to go with Jefferson and Chase. This is a dude, Cooper Cup, who's going to get double-digit targets every single game. I thought we wanted that in fantasy. And the Rams' defense is not going to be as good as it's been in the past. Their personnel has changed quite a bit. I think they're going to be throwing a lot. And I think Cooper Cup, I think you can make the case for him to be right back in that 24 to 26 PPR point per game range. He's got it in him. The worries are that he's a year older than Tyreek Hill and Stephon Diggs, and that his quarterback might get beat up a little bit more so than those other two receivers' quarterbacks. So if, if that makes a difference to you, you're probably not going to hurt yourself that much with Tyreek Hill or Stephon Diggs, but Coop can be a league winner. There's no question about it. He's already been. I think we're going to end our show just continuing this discussion about these five so we don't shortchange these guys or the round two guys. We'll pick it up tomorrow with round two, but... I want to just give some numbers here. Justin Jefferson was the number one wide receiver last year. Uh, he was actually number two per game behind Cup. But he had 128 catches, 1,800 yards, and eight touchdowns. He actually had a rushing touchdown, too. Jefferson ha was tied for the NFL lead with the most catches in which he was tackled at the one or two-yard line. And it's pretty hard to believe that he had you know, 184 targets and only eight receiving touchdowns. But just think of 128 catches, 1,800 yards. Uh, Cooper Cup was on pace with Matthew Stafford for 153 catches, a lot more than Jefferson, and 1,728 yards, which is fewer than Jefferson. Tyreek Hill, in his 12 games with a healthy Tua, he was on pace for 119 catches, a little bit less than Jefferson, and 1,768 yards, a little bit less than Justin Jefferson. Uh, Stephon, he was on pace for 119 catches? With 
with Tua. And he finished, he with, finished 100, with 100. Right? Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> Both. Um, yeah. Uh, and you said one, one, what would you say? 1,798? 1,768. Six, yes. 68. So 58 yards difference. It's crazy. Yeah. And two more receiving touchdowns. Um, Stefan Diggs, in the first 128 catches, which I think is what Jefferson was, 1,821 yards, almost exactly the same as Jefferson, and 15 touchdowns. So I have now taken the full season for Jefferson and the best sample sizes for Tyreek Hill, Cooper Cup, and Stefan Diggs. They are all pretty similar. Do you know who doesn't even come close to this? Is Jamar Chase last year. Jamar Chase, uh, his 17-game pace was... Only 1,482 yards. Everyone else in the 17 to 1,800 or more range, Jamar Chase was had a really low yards per catch. It was weird. But we all have him. You all have him number two. I know a lot of people have him number one. Nobody wants to doubt Jamar Chase. I just did think that was interesting, Heath, that his production was actually, on a per-catch basis, dis- disappointing, I'd say. Well... <laughs> When you compare the games that he played to everybody else's Azer stats, that is true. Um, but he averaged 20.3 fantasy points per game, which was one point fewer than Tyree Kill, two points fewer than Cup and Jefferson, and almost two points better than Stefan Diggs. So I think to say that he was not in there in this, like it is true comparing his all of his games to everybody else's best games, he was not in the same. Not everybody else's for. best games. Everybody's games with a healthy quarterback. That's what it was. It okay. was couple. Well, yeah, any concerns right now about that? Yeah. <laughs> didn't Didn't Joe Burrow have an an, an appendectomy before the season yeah, last year? But right, when I, was he fully recovered from that? I he played week one. All I know is that that's that's what it was. It wasn't just well, Josh Allen played all, the whole second half of the season. Right. You know what? It's not. I don't know if it's even worth debating because. <laughs> Everybody is taking Jefferson uh, first and Chase second. Um, yep. Okay. That's an Azer statting, Azer statting, Heath. What percentage of health <laughs> was the player of the 100% of snaps that they placed? But yeah. is it a fair Azer stat? <laughs> well, I think I think it is really worth noting how different Stefan Diggs's numbers were before the Allen injury and after. And not just that, how different Josh Allen's injury was. You're talking I, about... I think. A go, yeah, a five thousand yard passer compared to like a four thousand yard passer before and after the injury. That that digs target share situation is one of the ones that we might get to the middle of the season, and like wonder why we didn't pay enough attention to it. Because if he gets the target share that he's had when Josh Allen was healthy, then I'm not sure Gabe Davis or Dalton Kincaid are going to matter. But there you're sure talking about him not getting the same target share, and he doesn't seem to like that. Well, can you azer stat the digs? Azer stat by taking out week two when Gabe Davis didn't play. <laughs> no, I didn't. Oh, do yeah. that. When, he, when he went absolutely nuclear against the Titans. No, but the thing is, Gabe Davis didn't really get that many targets. I, I don't think he really influenced Stefan Diggs. And well, I, I know I, if you're going to Azer stat it, Azer stat it all the way. No, buddy. listen. The, the point is not so much the target you think. It's that Josh Allen is is I think capable of reaching another level as a passer. Because before he hurt his elbow, he was on pace for 5,100 yards and 40 touchdowns, and he was throwing 37.3 times per game. But so, is that is that fair, though, that he's going to be that much better than everybody else? What do you mean? Well, if Josh Allen does that, it'll be that much better than everybody else. Is that fair? Diggs will be or Allen will be? Both, potentially. I no, mean, I, no, I'm just saying that I think you have— more parity. 
You really have to know. It would have been really unfair if Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford hadn't gotten hurt last year. That would have been completely unfair. (laughs) Oh, you're going back to that thing. Okay, I didn't get it. (laughs) Well, if you look at end of season numbers, you may not you may not see the storyline of how the Bills passing game looked before and after the elbow injury. That that was my only point. No, it's you're 100 accurate. I mean, it's 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 a that's why these guys are first round picks. You know, that's why Cup has the chance to bounce back to that level. And you know, you still buy into him even though he's. He's 30. You buy into, and, and Stafford's injury, Chris, you buy into, you know, Chase being, you know, Heath has made this, you know, argument earlier this offseason when he was saying he was number one. Does he get back to his yards per catch as a rookie? You know, what if that happens? My God, he could be just uh, an absolute monster. And and Jefferson just builds off of it. And maybe the touchdowns creep up a little bit more with the hope that Kirk Cousins, uh, Pete sent me a, a screen grab of a game between the Packers and the and the Vikings. And there's a, there's a he, he paused it where, Jefferson is standing by himself. Jair Alexander was playing zone and passed him off to the middle. Nobody was there. And Cousins was waiting for Thielen to clear in the flat and in traffic. And Jefferson, like, he, 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 he there was nobody within 15 yards of him. Like, God knows how many times that happened. <laughs> you know, because Cousins sometimes gets a little lost in the red zone. So if Cousins has some touchdown regression, which I think we've talked about, and yeah. then you get Jefferson being the benefit of that, he's going to, you know, be be the player you're you're hoping for, and maybe the the unfair advantage that you have at the position. Yeah, Dave. Last thing I'd say is when when you look at guys who finish as number one, if you're out there and you're considering Chase versus Jefferson, and a lot of people are. The guy who's number one is almost almost never has T Higgins on his team. You just don't mm-hmm. see it. I could I could give you the stat, but I won't do it. But uh, just trust me. Oh you, yeah, you, don't don't give us a stat that'll help tell your story. Well, it's just a little convoluted. But don't. <laughs> yeah, believe I'm me. shocked. No, it's so just that wording. points it's, us back towards Cup. It's just wording. or Diggs. Absolutely, you you know, like Jeff Chase is amazing, but you just pretty much never see it. A guy finish as wide receiver one with another top sixteen wide receiver on his team. That's basically well, I guess the stat. This, this goes this goes back to when Heath, you were arguing for Chase right. over over Jefferson. Is how much do you expect Jordan Addison's upgrade over Adam Thielen to matter, and how much do you expect the full season of T.J. Hawkinson to really matter? You know, especially forget about what you think about Hawkinson as a player. The targets were there for him. You know, when he was right. you know brought in, and so if those two guys are commanding more targets than the combination of Hawkinson or at least the tight end for a full season, and you know Adam Thielen. That it could be a huge problem for Jefferson. I would just, you know, go back to the run game could be a little bit more suspect, and their defense is probably going to be more suspect, and that should lend to still being top three in pass attempts, which is probably a huge advantage for Justin Jefferson. Uh, over the last seven seasons, seventeen pairs of teammates have finished top sixteen at wide receiver in PPR, and we've never had one of those teammates finish as wide receiver one in PPR. We have had it in non PPR, Jordy Nelson, and he was he and Chris Godwin both finished as wide receiver two. But typically, the guy who finishes as wide receiver one is a complete target hog. So consider that for Tyree Kill. Had a crazy amount of targets last year, but consider that for Jamar Chase. Consider that it probably doesn't even matter because it could happen. And, okay, I gave you two examples who finished as wide receiver two. But T. Higgins could be a bit of a hindrance to Jamar Chase. In the games that Higgins was healthy, Chase was on pace for 170 targets. I think overall he he was on pace for 190 targets. So... Um, That is it for today's show. We will get into round two and beyond. Ask yourself this question, folks. Does any wide receiver have a tougher schedule than Garrett Wilson? Something we might talk about on tomorrow's show. We'll leave it at that. We also have a mailbag on Saturday. Have a great day, everybody. 
speak to you tomorrow on Fantasy Football Day.